Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Resting Batch Face, a reality TV recap podcast that asks the tough questions such as, do you need experience or equipment to successfully podcast? While other podcasts are worried about things like sponsorship and audience, we simply have nothing else to do. I'm joined as always by my partner in hopefully not crime, but we'll see what direction the podcast takes. Gwen Kirby, how are you doing today? Uh, hello, Daniel Paul. I am doing very well. I uh, am here in my office, which is unusual for me to try to get the best internet. And I have half a bag of chips that I'm holding together with a paper clip that I might enjoy later. So I'm pretty excited about that. Big day. And Gwen is no doubt in the office to show she means business about reality Boom. TV recapping and is putting in the hours to show it. As she reminded me, I forgot <laughs> to say, my name is Dan Paul. And we are going to be talking about a variety of reality TV shows starting in this episode with Temptation Island, which feels fitting in that at least for the contestants, it has the lowest barrier for entry of any TV reality show I can think of. So hopefully that is also true for the podcasters. For those of you who are listening and don't actually know anything about this show, perhaps like 90% of our audience simply knows us and is pitying us. I'm going to read the description of Temptation Island from their website, in part because both me and Gwen are writers, and we respect the writers who wrote this blurb. Four couples at a crossroad in their relationships put their love to the test by giving single life a try. On the Hawaiian island of Maui, they'll take a break from each other while living in separate houses with sexy singles to discover if there is another partner with whom they are more compatible. In the end, will the couples leave together? Will they leave with one of the island's tempters, or will they break up and go home alone? Whatever the outcome, there will be plenty of drama along the way. Gwen Kirby, why do you love Temptation Island? You know, our, as our loyal listeners won't know, this is our second time trying to record the intro to this show. And when you asked me that last time, I really wasn't sure. But upon reflection, um, I think I love it because it's the most elaborate, painful, and drawn-out way to break up with someone that I could conceivably imagine. Um, and I kind of I kind of love to see it. It's it's maybe it's a little uh, sadistic, but yeah, it's quite something. And the music is is fire. The music is fantastic. It the theme song itself, which one day, my dream is that we will go far enough in this podcast that we will one day be allowed to or afford to actually play the theme song for Temptation Island on this podcast. It is fantastic. And like so many other um, reality shows, it's spectacular in that rather than paying for actual songs, it pays for things that sort of sound like songs, um, which is a wonderful genre that I don't think gets enough love in the community. I appreciate how unironic the songs are. Like the song at the end of this episode where they're like, one last kiss before you go. And they're all like kissing. And it's just, it's, it's great. It's great. This is where I admit to both you and the audience that the entire purpose of telling you I wanted to do a podcast was hoping that you might actually record yourself singing random trash. It's now come <laughs> to fruition. Anything else that comes from this podcast is completely gravy. So things I love about Temptation Island Building on what you said, yes, it's absolutely high-concept breakup, which is fantastic. But what I love is that it's high-concept breaking up that they talk about as if it is normal. They'll often refer to them being on a journey, this being part of the process, 
as if this is something you just learn through the course of relationships. You know, at three months, you know, maybe you go on a road trip to see how you do in a car. Maybe at nine months or a year, you're like, should we try to live together, see if we can get along in a confined space? And at between a year and a half and two years, you decide, let's go to Temptation Island to decide if we want to get married publicly or break up publicly, as if this is something completely normal. To go along with that, what I love is that on the surface, they are espousing that this is some normal, healthy process to determine where they are in their relationship, in part because... They cannot say the magic words, which are, I want to be insta-famous, which is, of course, 99% of the reason they're there. It was actually, I was thinking about this a little bit, and it makes me think of what Louis Armstrong said about jazz, which is that jazz is sort of playing traditional melodies, but only playing every third note. And I feel like Temptation Island is that only they're skipping, the two notes that they're skipping are the ones where they admit that they want Instagram followers. My question for you, Gwen Kirby, is on a scale of zero to 10, how effective is this as a relationship strategy? Make the case that this is not just idiocy and it is valuable for these couples beyond simply creating temporary fleeting fame to go to Temptation Island, spend a month away from each other whilst being videotaped with attractive singles as a way to determine where they should go in their relationship. I mean, great question. And we know that I, you know, give amazing relationship advice. So it's good that you've asked me. Um, I actually think Temptation Island is an incredible relationship tool if you need to realize that you're dating a douchebag. Like, (laughs) I feel like a lot of times these people go out and they like, you know, they go, they go meet the beefcake and they in the beefcake, they sit on a yacht for like 20 minutes and the beefcake is like, you're okay, boo. And they're like, this is the most romantic moment of my life. And then you're like, that's probably why you should stop dating a fuck boy. So I like that. Um, and you know, it could be a really great opportunity to talk about open relationships, boundaries, uh, human sexuality. Obviously, they won't be talking about any of that. But, uh, but that could be good. Yeah, they're not going to do any of that. And it's also for those of you who are hoping, fingers crossed. I do think they do a decent job screening all of their participants for heterosexuality because if there was any sexual fluidness going on, all of the singles might just be fucking all the time because there's literally nothing else to do. They don't, they don't have phones. They don't have books. They don't have music. They're confined in an admittedly beautiful bungalow. But yeah, I think it's very important that they get people who are not just going to be fucking each other whilst they wait for the, people of the opposite sex to potentially take them out on dates. One thing I do want to argue though, that this might be an effective relationship tool is that you have to remember that these people do not actually want real world relationships. They want relationships in worlds populated by partial fame. They want to be surrounded at all times by people who are nominally Insta famous And they want to always be in environments where people are photographing them and evaluating their relationships. So in that sense, this is actually really good practice because they want to spend their lives around horrible people and enmeshed in these worlds of absolute terribleness. And so in that sense, they're making sure that their relationship can function in in this world. It's like if they want to live under the sea at a certain point, you have to actually learn 
you know, to, to scuba dive. That metaphor was fantastic, and I hope it makes the final cut. But my point <laughs> is that while we may watch, while we may watch this and be like, this is the worst possible idea, it's because we want nothing to do with these worlds. I guess that's true. I watch it really as a liberation fantasy. I just pick the person from each couple who I think really needs to get out of that relationship, and then I just hope that they sit on as many dicks as possible. But, you know, maybe that's the wrong way to watch it. Listen, there is no wrong way to watch Temptation Island <laughs> except with any hope for functional people making quality decisions. I thought when you said liberation fantasy, I thought you were just saying you like watching people who are outside and are interacting with other human okay, beings. Okay, that too. Yeah. Yeah. But in that case, we would be watching a reality show that was just set in Ikea as well. And it's like, oh my gosh, look at that. It's amazing. No, I, yeah, this is, uh, COVID is the only time I'd ever want to be on a reality show. I would do a lot right now to be in a bubble. And again, if any of the people who are actually listening to us, which is to say three of our friends, if that happened to work in the reality TV world, that was a call for help from Gwen Kirby saying she's ready to go on any show <laughs> and make as big a fool of herself as possible. Um, now you mentioned liberation fantasy and this idea of wanting to rescue these people from their relationships. I think that to me that the really, the primary text for us to think about in terms of rescuing these people from relationships is the moment in the office when, um, Andy potentially wants to get with Angela and Pam's response to this is, but I couldn't do that to Dwight or Angela or Andy. And that's pretty much what's going on here. All of these people need to be rescued from all of these people. Um, but instead, they're being thrown on an island together. What could possibly go wrong? Now, we're going to move in structurally here and talk about – we're going to recap the episode for those of you who didn't watch it because this is not the kind of thing you watch yet. We're going to win you over. And one of the things we're going to be evaluating is what the intervention level is. On a scale of zero to start the intervention right now. How much do these people need to be pulled from each other? So meeting the couples, we start on a boat, which is taking them to Maui. And one of the couples, I believe it was Thomas and Chelsea, says something to the effect of they were from Jersey, but they're now L.A. transplants, which could effectively be the thesis of this show, is they don't make Jersey Shore anymore, and you're not yet a L.A. housewife. This is hopefully going to get you there. So the first couple we meet is Thomas and Chelsea. They've been together for a year. She's in marketing. He's in eye banking. And it's a classic romance story where he slid into her DMs. Things that are going well for this couple. They like to read together. They meditate together. Things that are not going well. She doesn't trust him. Which strikes me as perhaps somewhat disproportionate that things are going well. It's like good news. We both like Pilates. Bad news. I hate him. She also accuses him of being too flirty, <laughs> quote, to the, there is a point where you're staring so hard that it becomes disrespectful. And I would argue there's also a point where you're staring so hard that it becomes a workplace violation. This is something that I'm curious about, exactly how creepy he is versus how paranoid she is. And it's really a wonderful dynamic for us to track. So Gwen, I was thinking about that, of course, at the beginning of Anna Karenina, where Tolstoy writes that, you know, all happy families are happy for the same reason, whereas all unhappy families are unique in their unhappiness. What makes them so unhappy and how much of an intervention do they need? 
Look, Dan, this couple right now is my biggest intervention couple. Fascinating. My very first note here is Thomas is a fuck boy. And I think the, the very first sign that things are bad is that Thomas is 37. No one in any of these other couples is over the age of 30. As somebody who's actually 37, I appreciate you coming to start this pod with people who are 37 are garbage and should be drowned oh before God. we get to Maui. You're like 35 and you're talking all this shit. Oh my God. It's not that he's too old to go to Maui. He's just too old to go to Maui so he can fuck other chicks so that he like, I don't even know what he's, he's obviously a fuck boy. Another example of why he's obviously a fuck boy is that he says, before I met Chelsea, I was enjoying predominantly being a bachelor. The only people who should describe themselves as bachelors should be people who are like about to try to date a Jane Austen heroine. <laughs> By bachelor, he means I've been fucking my way through Los Angeles, but my girlfriend doesn't like that I just stare at titties all day, so we had to come to Temptation Island. Okay, two things. First of all, there's no evidence that he doesn't also stare at asses. Second... I do think that for our audience, it's going to be important for you to develop something of a taxonomy of fuckboys, because they're all fuckboys. So specify what kind of fuckboy you believe Thomas to be, and why that means that Chelsea should run screaming. Okay, because he's a gaslighting fuckboy. What is too old to be a fuckboy? Like, if you're 26, and you have too many abdominal muscles, like, I get it. That's fine, right? Man, whore your way through Los Angeles. And I mean that with respect. No shade to whore your way through LA. This dude is 37 and he's so gaslighty. Like she's like, oh, I wish like you wouldn't stare at other women's boobs. And he's like, that sounds like a you problem. He says some other shit later in the episode. I guess I probably shouldn't bring it up now. Maybe we'll get to it later in the recap. But like this dude is not taking any responsibility for anything that he does. I do feel as a viewer, it would be useful for us to know how long he actually stares. I have to say, it reminded me of a very awkward moment in my first orientation at graduate school to be a teaching assistant when we were been given sexual harassment training and were told, don't stare at your female students, which seems reasonable. And tragically, a student, a grad student unintentionally outed himself, like very earnestly asking how long is too long to stare. Because, you know, he couldn't necessarily oh, no. control himself. Um, it was a wild time to be alive. And I will say it created many friendships later that evening simply on the basis of not being him. But I do think that one of the things we're going to be tracking as this, this show goes on is how long and how much staring he does or... Frankly, right, how quickly staring escalates into something that is more actionable. Well, I want to move on to our next terrible couple. Our next terrible couple, Erica and Kendall, they've been together two and a half years. She's a personal assistant. He is, quote, a business owner. And I have to admit, I Googled that, hoping that it was going to be something like Entertainment 720 from Parks and Rec. It turns out Kendall Kirkland Productions is just, he's a photographer, which is, which is nice. But I do have to say... Most photographers identify as photographers rather than business owners. Um, but it does speak to the fundamental tension in their relationship, it seems, is he claims that she is not, quote, ambitious enough, which is, I suppose, she's not misrepresenting herself as some kind of mogul. Kendall also, this is one of my favorite quotes, he says he doesn't believe in, in divorce. 
And I will say, I think its existence has been pretty well documented, though it did make me think of the tapping the forehead meme in that he is definitely never going to get divorced if every relationship he has, he takes to Temptation Island to sabotage before they can ever get married. So that's some galaxy brain thinking for him. She says, quote, good luck finding someone who will wake up at 4 a.m. to iron your clothes and make you fresh food. This was my biggest red flag in terms of let's get the intervention wagon going. Gwen Kirby, what is your feeling about this relationship? All right. So I think for me, the reason that my red flag o meter was up higher on Chelsea and Thomas is that I think Erica is kind of done with Kendall. Because, oh, hell no. Like, I'm not getting up. I'm not, well, I'm not ironing your clothes at four o'clock in the afternoon, much less four o'clock in the morning. You can iron your own goddamn clothes. I will point out. You did marry somebody who is very well ironed of his own accord. So that's not yeah, necessarily that something you'd have to worry about. Yeah, and he makes me fresh food. So I think I got the better bargain there. I don't know. I just feel like this dude just like is always telling her to be better. I felt like the scene that for me kind of encapsulated their relationship is there. They're standing there and they're God, okay. I don't this is how little I know about exercise. They're like pulling the cord things up and down, you know? You like squat and shit and you're working out or whatever. And he's like, oh, you got to like pick up the pace, girl. And I'm like, she is in better shape than I could ever hope to be ever. And like, this isn't enough for you. I hope she fucks her way through Temptation Island and leaves a liberated woman. I'll be very curious. This is a relationship that strikes me very quickly is going to pivot into him simply begging for her to stay with him he's going to realize that she is not only ambitious enough, but that if she is at all ambitious, it will very quickly mean being more ambitious than being with him. He was also set up as being one, we'll talk about this when the singles arrive, he was getting a lot of interest. And so he's, I think, my prediction as first man overboard is my prediction, but we'll see, we'll see exactly, exactly mm-hmm. where that all falls. Speaking of candidates for the first person to have sex on national television, Kristen and Julian. So unlike our other couples, they have been together since high school. Always a good sign. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with my high school girlfriend some years back after the seventh Harry Potter book came out. And she was talking about how much she hated the epilogue because all of the people from high school got together with each other and stayed with each other. And she said, you know, could you just imagine still being with your high school boyfriend? And I see her point. Now, the problem they've had is that they've, that he has cheated on her, which has lowered her trust. I will say they've been together for 11 years since high school. This seems pretty likely. What Kristen says about this quote, if he betrays me again, I will have to let him go, which is a red flag, I'd say, for her and that he's obviously going to sleep with somebody on this island. And I'd say it's a red flag for her because he began a sentence with, she began a sentence with, if he betrays me again, which syntactically suggests we're gonna have we're gonna have some gravity. Gwen Kirby, what is your take on this couple from high school? Yeah, Kristen wants out. She doesn't want to be the person uh, who you know all their mutual friends from their life blames for the relationship. So she's just basically being like, "I know you're gonna fuck someone." then I can say that you betrayed me. Then I can fuck my way through Temptation Island. Um, but no, actually, I feel super bad for Julian. I feel like Julian really loves Kristen and like really doesn't want them to break up. And I, I feel like he's, I feel like he's there because she wants him to be. 
they're doomed. Yeah, he strikes me definitely like he doesn't, I think you're right. I think he doesn't want to cheat on her on this island. No, I really think he doesn't. I think he loves her. I don't really want to eat a lot of dairy. But like, <laughs> if I go to a Culver's for two for a month, if you leave me alone in a Culver's for a month, I'm going to make some bad decisions with cheese curds and milkshakes. So, all right, couple four, Aaron and Corey. They have been together for a year and a half. Aaron played Division One soccer, but like for Rutgers, like don't flex that much. Like, And she has <laughs> dated several pro athletes, both of which I am an avid sports fan. I Googled both of them, a former linebacker for the Eagles and a former shortstop for the Marlins. None of them were particularly famous, but this is exactly in the world where we're in, right? Um, here's a line from Aaron. By the way, Corey is not a Division One athlete. He is a concierge manager from <laughs> La Jolla, California, very close to where Gwen Kirby grew up. Here's my favorite line so far of the season, and it came from Aaron in her introduction. I need to figure out who I'm meant to be with. And I can't think of another way to do it. Gwen Kirby, can you think of another way to determine who you should be with for the rest of your life other than going on Temptation Island? No, I mean, you know, Andrew and I weren't weren't hot enough. So we just had to go to Hawaii and just kind of like cut our way through the bars, you know. And, and after we'd had sex with enough other people, we were able to decide whether or not to get married. So no, I, this seems like a really great plan. I, I don't see another way to do it. It reminded me of my actual favorite movie moment in the history of reality television, which was an episode of Naked and Afraid, in which a woman is irritated with her partners. They are naked in some tropical location trying to survive. And she grabs all the knives and throws them into the river out of spite. And her response to the camera about this was, quote, I just don't see how I could have handled it any differently. <laughs> Strikes me as pretty similar in that I could think of probably some better ways to determine who you should be with, such as like conversations, experience, non-televised experience. But thankfully, Aaron and Corey are going another direction. He legitimately seems like he doesn't have any interest in being there, but just is like really, really weak. And she wants it. Instagram followers and dragged him there, which is certainly a type on this show. There was a character on season one, I believe his name was John. He clearly did not want to be there, got dragged there for the Instagram fame, such as it was. Gwen Kirby, what do you, what do you think about this couple? I mean, I'm with you. I, I think Corey, Corey is like, looks like he's in a hostage situation. Like if he could like blink three times and get airlifted out of there, I, I think he does not want to be there. Erin is fascinating to me because she clearly is the one who wants to be there. She kind of clearly doesn't want Corey, but she cries constantly. Every talking head she has, she ends up in tears. This is a fantastic episode. We had like three people in tears before the show really even started, which I think is some kind of record. It's another one of my favorite things about the show that will chronicle as we get more into episodes and we see what happens, is how they have these tonal pivots between just people like drinking and booty dancing and doing juvenile dumb shit and pivot to like crying as they talk about their innermost feelings on television. And then we're back and really without any yeah. warning. I think for me, if Kendall is the dude who thinks he can do better and is going to at the end realize he wishes he could still be with Erica, I think that's going to be Aaron. I think Corey is going to get with someone who like doesn't care that he played like D1 soccer. And I think she's going to like fuck a couple 
fuck boys and then wish she had not brought Corey to Temptation Island. I sort of disagree. Unless he's too spineless to leave her. I sort of disagree in that, A, I do think he's too spineless to leave her. But B, I think her long-term goal is to upgrade to a better class of professional athlete than she has erstwhile fucked. And I think to do that, I, I don't think she can demean herself with just like random chefs and doctors. I think this has to be about, I think she's playing the long game. I think that like her game theory about this is to just project who she is to the best of her ability and garner some kind of fame. But we'll see. It could go the other way. I mean, the many, many roads lead to Rome. All right. Quick recap of these. First question. Who's most likely to break up on this island? Even now that we've recapped it, I'm like, I don't, maybe I'm totally wrong. I think Kristen and Julian are going to break up. Okay. I mean, I think I they're think all going to break up. Out well, yeah. But I think they're the most likely okay. to break up. I vote Erin and Corey is the most likely to break up. Because I really think she's going on this show to cry a lot and to have more sympathy given to her for the fact that they're broken up than if she just broke up with him at whatever fucking Holiday Inn in La, ha- La Jolla <laughs> that he works at. Just like at the desk. If she's just like walks yeah. in like holding a mark and it's like, it's over, you're not an athlete. And some dude who plays AAA and I think is about to get called up by the Padres wants to hook up with me. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. Who most needs to break up? And I guess we've already sort of had this conversation, but just to codify this, I think Kendall and Erica need to break up more than any. And I think Erica needs escape. But who do you want to break up more than any? Hmm. I want Chelsea and Thomas to break up more than anyone. One, because I think Chelsea needs an escape. And two, I hate Thomas. So I just want her to like humiliate him on national television as much as humanly possible. My only counter argument is that I don't really like her either. Like they were having just kind of a chill conversation, drinking some champagne. And she's the one who was like bringing up conversations that they'd had like you'll get there you'll have their moment your moment to just trash him like she doesn't seem that chill like i legitimately sympathize for erica because kendall seems insane i i'm I'm sympathetic for i gotta man i gotta look her up again Kristen, because she's like been in a relationship since high school there's a lot of emotions but it's obviously not going to work i don't really have any sympathy for chelsea I feel bad for Chelsea. I feel like she's been gaslighting her and has drug her into this. And I see, I feel less sympathy. See, here I am having to go to my goddamn notes too, because I actually can't remember any of these fuckers' names. I have less sympathy for Kristen and Julian, or for Kristen. I think, like, you don't go to Temptation Island. Well, you you just shouldn't go to Temptation Island, but you don't go to Temptation Island to end an 11 year long relationship. Like, come come on. I will say there is history. Just Just break up with him. The most, I mean, again, not to be the show historian, but the most dramatic couple on the first season, Evan and Casey, had been together for like 10 years. And it seems like they've been rocking a relationship back and forth, but they need to go to Temptation Island to fully knock it over. I also love how you're already succumbing to this pathology because the sentence, you don't go to Temptation Island to blank, implies <laughs> no. that this is something that people do at all or that more That's than like 30 people in history have ever done it. But of course, no, it's part of the process. It's part of the journey. Okay, here's a maybe slightly more difficult question, but just again, getting to the question of sympathy. Who do you think is the most fun at brunch? Like, If you had to go to brunch with one of these couples, who would it be? Oh, okay. So I don't think you just pick one. You have to go with the couple. You got to bring the couple, yeah. 
I actually wrote down Aaron and Corey, and I'm wondering why that is. The only thing I can think of, I think it's because I just want to, like, she hangs out with a lot of pro athletes. Like, I think she would have a lot of, like, interesting stories about, like, partying with the Miami Marlins that would interest me. But maybe that's uh, that's sort of mean to Corey, that I'm like, I'd want to hang out with Aaron and Corey, and I'd want Corey to shut the fuck up. I don't know. I think I'd enjoy going out with Julian and Kristen, too. I actually kind of like Julian. He seems kind of fun. He seems like a big sweetheart, but at the other, the counter evidence to that, the counter evidence to that is that he's on Temptation Island, which is always a red flag. All right, so moving on, they enter the villa, and it's beautiful, and it's Hawaii, and I'm not just saying that because I don't leave my apartment ever on account of this pandemic. Thomas says, quote, this is a perfect environment to test a relationship, which I think is sort of true, but I think it would also <laughs> be like the perfect environment to like test like to get a biopsy or something. I mean, it's just beautiful. Like if you have to do something <laughs> shitty, like no matter what the shitty thing you have to do is, you might as well do it in this beautiful villa in Maui. And there in this villa, we are introduced to our host, Mark Wahlberg. Gwen Kirby, can you explain Mark Wahlberg to the listeners without using the phrase high-functioning sociopath? <laughs> so Mark Wahlberg looks sort of like a reanimated corpse that they have brought on uh, to do this show. And I always find that really surprising. You know, I sometimes don't look awesome in photos, but I don't have like an entire makeup team dedicated to my appearance. So I kind of have to assume that's the look he's going for. Um, but Mark Wahlberg has that quality that is really essential in this kind of host. And that is the ability to just say the stupidest shit with a completely straight face. It, it, it's a gift. I couldn't do it. Uh, it makes me think of the moment uh, last season on The Bachelorette when Chris Harrison just sat down in front of, you know, Claire. And Claire's like, God, Chris, I just fucked Gail. You know, what am I going to do? What's next? And he just says, next step, engagement. <laughs> and like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't fucking do it. I would burst out laughing. I would be, I'd just be like, no, nah, I'm just kidding you, bitch. Uh, so I don't know. He's, he's got that. To me, Mark Wahlberg just is the actual personification of Stockholm syndrome. Like he is the one who is creating the terrible conditions that they are in. And he talks to them as if he is there to counsel and care for them as they go through these absolutely terrible situations that he has produced. And they like, thank him. They like, thank him for being oh, okay. there for them. And it's like, he is making you miserable so that he can swoop in and seem sympathetic while filming you crying. So one of the things we're going to be tracking over the course of this season is what are the worst pieces of advice he gives to these poor, sad people? And what are the moments in which he creates the most just human ruin? And speaking of more of the humans that he ruins, let's move on to talk to the singles. So again, just a reminder, four couples are going to Temptation Island. The men and the women are going to spend a month in separate bungalows with a bunch of singles. These singles are there ostensibly to find love, again, ideally to find Instagram posts, etc. This to me is like the worst position in the, in the world of dating shows. Because there are eight singles for four people in a couple that are, are already in couples. Like most of the time you go on a dating show Everybody is single. You feel like you have a shot. Here, your job is to try to break somebody up. It was making me think, though, Gwen Kirby, what is the weirdest ever thing you did because it gave you a free trip? 
it's got to be the fake conference, right? Oh, you're saying that that academic conference where we put together that incredible panel so you could travel to Cincinnati? Yeah, that probably was it. I was thinking about like, forgive me, but I was thinking about the correlation between Temptation Island and the Israeli birthright trip in that basically you're doing it for a free trip, but the kind of reason it explains why you'd even be doing it is like, you're probably comfortable with your current, at least for me, like I was very comfortable with my current relationship with Zionism in that I didn't have one really, but I was willing for a free trip to be tempted. And a lot of the people that I went on that trip with were very tempted and they left in a new, exciting relationship with Zionism. I did not. I was able to just get the free trip. Um, but structurally it was pretty similar to what's going on, going on here. All right. I'm disappointed in myself. I just, I think, I think you know me and I think I'm just really earnest about all the trips I take. I don't, I haven't done much for a free trip. (laughs) It's okay. You're young yet. So these singles are then, you know, introduced. There's a literal catwalk. And one of the staples of the show is that they have to present themselves and they have to give some kind of pickup line. So for example, somebody will come up and say literally something like, I am a dentist, I'm going to brighten your smile. Or I am a real estate agent, and I'm going to close the deal. Gwen Kirby, what would your Temptation Island pickup line be, and do you think it would be effective? Uh, Let's see. I'm 35, I'm from San Diego, California, and I'm a writer. I'm going to write our love story. That's actually not terrible, at least for this genre. I was also trying to think, what are the absolute worst jobs that it would be to try to, like, that it's kind of a shame that more people don't come on, just like some dude just being like, I'm a coroner and I'm going to knock you dead, right? Or like, just because I'm an adjunct doesn't mean I'm a cheap date. I mean, the <laughs> possibilities are endless. So we're going to talk through these singles and we're going to try to prepare our readers with a game that we like to call, who the fuck are these people and how the hell are we going to remember them? So first up is Tula. She is a content creator which in my dreams means that she writes like the weird ass, like comic book listicles I always see, like which member of the Avengers is most like which 90210 character. She says she is formerly Miss Louisiana. So she quote, has the crown now wants her King. Gwen Kirby, how the hell are you going to remember her? My note on her is that she is a failed bachelorette uh, contestant. And you know this. Like bachelorette is no, no, no. This is my, no. What I'm saying is, like, Bachelor is, like, rife. Every single fucking person on that show, like, is was a former Miss something or other. Like, you're Miss Louisiana, and you can't even write a trip to, to the Bachelor Mansion. This is, like, the other pageant queens were laughing at this girl. That's cold. I'm going to remember her because of the leopard print in the dress that she was wearing. And I'm going to hope that she has nothing but animal print for the entire time that she's there. I think more reality show contestants should lean into themed wardrobe. In the manner of like the Power Rangers, each would only wear one color to remind you who they were. I just think it would be a lot easier to help us remember these people. So for me, it's going to be leopard print, but uh, we'll see. Perhaps Miss Louisiana will will stick around as as a mnemonic device as well. All right, next we meet Dr. Blake. And I have to say here, this is a weird thing to say, and forgive me, I know there's going to be the Seinfeld joke, anti-dentites, all that. I fucking hate dentists. Like, mainly because I just hate the idea that, like, your mouth can extort you. And I also just don't, maybe, maybe we have orthodontists listening. 
explain to me how every child in the world needs braces. I've never met a single child who wasn't told they need braces. It feels like a scam to me. But anyway, Dr. Blake will quote, remember, sorry, Dr. Blake is a dentist from St. Louis who will brighten your smiles. I'm actually going to remember the no shoes, sorry, the no socks and the capris. What about you? How are you going to remember Dr. Blake? I'm going to remember that he's a dentist who like really wants to be called doctor. I feel like I wouldn't go out there and be like, I'm Dr. Kirby. Like, I don't know if you're not a physician. I don't, I don't really fuck with that. Can I tell you a secret? You know that there are two PhDs on this conversation. I know. Just pointing that out. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to call you on that. I'm in fact going to have this recording the next time you identify yourself as Dr. Kirby. Or is it only dentists who can't? I do, I do not call my – I would never go on Temptation Island and introduce myself as Dr. Kirby. That's what I'm saying. You also would like, never would go on Temptation Island. You can finish the sentence, I would never go on Temptation Island and blank any way that you want. Honestly, after a pandemic February in Sewanee, I'm not saying no to Temptation That's Island. Fair. If the producers want to call me up, I'm, I'm, I'm available. She is available. All right. Next person who's also available, Amanda. She is a lab tech who – whose pickup line is that she's scientifically proven to be sexy, which I, I'd like to see the, the methodology of this study, please. Gwen Kirby, how are you going to remember Amanda? She had that super, super long blonde hair. I don't know why, but that really struck with me. Also, I really like the women who like aggressively make eye contact with the, with the women who are sitting down about being like, I'm going to have sex with your man. Going for it. I just, I appreciate any time that any kind of artist is aware or any kind of artist is reflexive about their artifice. So like, don't pretend that you're there for love. You're there to like start yeah, some exactly. shit, get a lot of camera time and maybe to be internet famous for being hated, which like, why not go for it? All right. Next we get Dave. He is a sales tech from Rhode Island. What I remember about him is that he did not button his top three buttons. He was wearing boots and he smacked his own ass. And that line that he said, cause he's a sales <laughs> rep or tech or whatever. He knows how to close the deal was also a pickup line in season one. Again, not to be the historian, but Morgan from season one who did real estate said she knew how to close the deal. So he can't even get his own pickup line. Gwen Kirby, how are you going to remember Dave? Oh, I mean, come on, the ass slap. No question. I, if you're going to slap your own ass on a catwalk, that is going to be your signature from now this on. Is a question, nothing I could do this is a question that. I have about reality TV in general. Like, Do you think the producer suggested the ass slap? Do you think he went to them and said, I will be the ass slapper. Do you think somebody else waiting in line was pissed off because they were planning to ass slap and now they would just look stupid <laughs> doing it? Like, again, the mechanics of how these people try to distinguish themselves is fascinating to me. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm like, maybe it was just a spontaneous ass slap. Maybe he was just so excited to be there. I, I don't know. All right, moving on, we meet Sophia, who's, quote, a feisty Latina, who is, quote, going to spice things up. I really hope that she had as much agency as she wanted in making this decision. And I really hope that it wasn't from the jump. Like the producers were like, we are bringing you to this Island to be the spicy Latina and to say this kind of shit. I just hope she's okay with it. Yeah. I, I had the exact same thought. I was like, God, I hope that's really her wanting to lean into that and calling them all poppy. And that that's just not some super, super inappropriate producer manipulated, um, bullshit. Okay, next up was Lex. Lex is an event planner, and what I will remember about him was he was a little shorter. I think he was the one that somebody called out saying, like, if you're going to be with him, he's much shorter than me. You'll have to look down. But I really liked his 
his white tiger print on his uh, his Hawaiian yes. shirt. Yes, that's what I wrote down too. I was like strong. Yeah, no, I was like strong shirt game. Like me, like me the the tiger print. I don't see that on every Hawaiian shirt. You know, shout out to the men who aren't as tall looking at you, Dr. Paul. <laughs> well, thank uh, you. So. <laughs> and that's exciting. We'll see if we we'll see if that giggle makes the final edit. Did I tell you that my friends wanted to see how the giggle looked in waveform? So now we'll we'll I'm know. Excited. So one thing I'll say about Lex, he he seemed like an actual nice human being. And these people do sometimes get mixed up in these kinds of shows. I was just thinking about the last episode the last season of The Bachelorette had like two or three kind of nice guys, like Dr. Joe. And whoever the sp- oh, yeah. whoever the spin instructor was, I can't remember his name. I think he only made it to like the final six or seven. He seemed really sweet. Yeah, Ivan was a sweetheart. Oh yeah. Season. So again, eventually, sometimes these human, like actual nice human beings, do get caught up in these kinds of proceedings. And I, I hope that the show is nice to him. We then met Katrina, who was identified as a tall model. In fact, some one of the women in the couple, her response was, "quote She's a tall bitch." And she said something like, I'm a model. I'm coming for your man. Gwen Kirby, what are your thoughts on Katrina? Uh, I noticed that said she was a collegiate soccer player. So I'm wondering if maybe that's going to be, uh, maybe Kendall's going to be into that. Okay. Um, I don't know how I forgot. I mostly noticed. No, sorry, please. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know how I forgot to put this on my notes and say this earlier. What she actually said was like, I played collegiate soccer, so I might wrap my legs around you. Which really, like, was mildly terrifying. I know she was trying to be sexy, but, like, she really could, like, choke you out, clearly. And so it was an interesting move so early in the proceedings. She's got strong legs. I was like, she could she could probably kill me with her thighs. So that's, that's how I'm going to remember her. I mean, I'm sure many of the dudes up there were like, yes, she could kill me, but what a way to go. But uh, it was a strong yeah. move. It was a strong move early in the proceedings. Okay, we then met Shaquille, speaking of tr- strong moves who's a personal trainer, he took his shirt off and he bounced the pecs. Now, I will say this is mildly terrifying to me, but Gwen Kirby, like, is this attractive? I mean, not to make you responsible for heterosexual women and what they're interested in, but like, is this a turn on? No, it's so creepy. I genuinely don't understand. It's it's terrifying. It's Why would I want those to be sentient? It's a move that I associate with professional wrestling. It was something that Lex Luger did um, in early '90s professional wrestling. Is he would he would flex the man titties, and I, I think just to show that he was very strong. Um, but this was a guy whose like shtick was that he had a metal plate in his arm and would clothesline you. So again, I have questions about this as a strategy. But it will not be difficult to remember Shaquille, at least for me. He is bald, and um, he is going to want to take off his shirt and be terrifying a fair amount. Okay, we then met Nicole. She was wearing something pink. She said she was born on April Fools, so like, but she's not fooling around about stealing your man, etc. What was your take on Nicole? I had nothing but that I noticed her pink dress because I like the color pink. And I don't know, she didn't stand out to me. She was like, she was just kind of a hot chick. Yeah, I mean, put that put that on her tombstone. But, <laughs> but yes, we'll see if she does anything in the coming days to possibly make herself in any way in any way memorable. All right. After Nicole, we met Griffin. And again, this is a red flag or not a red flag, whatever a good flag is, green flag, whatever. He mentioned he is a retired pro soccer player, which will be good for Erin because she likes professionals. I will say if you're 25 and you are no longer a professional, that is not retired. 
That means your ass got kicked out of the league for not being good enough. I myself retired from professional athletics at around the age of 14. I might also say that I retired from my <laughs> the search for a tenure track position by simply not getting one. So again, very impressive. <laughs> and I will say this this was one of my favorite moments in that in this moment while Griffin was speaking, Thomas asked, quote, where do they find these guys? Which takes the lead in the Olympics for yeah. lack of self-awareness in terms of where did they find you? But Gwen, what was your take on Griffin other than that him being a soccer player suggested he was there solely for Aaron? Yeah, I got the note that he's there for Aaron. I also did notice that he was a retired soccer player, which definitely, best case scenario, he got hurt. He's got a shot. Yeah, he's got a shot at something other than soccer. I mean, he was doing a lot of work trying to describe, like, I'm not great at describing hair, as you may or may not know from that one time you asked me if your part was straight. But he's got, like, a full flip. Like, it's going back in wave form in a way that, that seems that seems like he's going for it. We then met Alexis, and I do have to point out the spelling you don't expect to see. It was A-L-E-X-C-Y-S, which oh. more power to her, but getting a lot done. And she was going for it. She's wearing gold, and she said, I'm the one you're going to see in the videos with your oh, man. Yeah. Which I, I do have to say does suggest it's possible she's not there exclusively for true love you know i like when they acknowledge the format i appreciate that so i i kind of felt like she was keeping it real she was just like i plan to have sex with your man on national television and you'll probably see it at the bonfire so peace out and for those of you who again are, are are new to this the bonfire is the particular form of torture where every evening or i don't know how often they do them but ever at the end of every episode, they are gathered to a bonfire where they watch clearly manipulatively edited clips of their partners with other people doing things that will upset them. And then Mark Wahlberg, who again is the one that handed them the videos, says, that must have been hard for you to watch. How are you feeling? And then ideally they cry. Some of last season, I will say, and it's also I think important to point out for our listeners that we're not like good people or anything. Like our investment in this is very sadistic. The best moments that I can think of from last season were when that one guy who sucked and we hated watched videos of his girlfriend with some other dude and threw a giant fuss fit crying and like throwing things. That was deeply pleasing for me in that she was breaking awake. And I don't remember his name, but I can remember his stupid face crying. And again, obviously they've edited him to seem terrible so that we will then be happy when bad things happen to him. But this is the life we've chosen. We next meet Tom. And it's another important thing to note. I will say, I imagine one could like research interviews with him. And maybe he's actually like a really nice guy and was in a really bad situation and all these kinds of things. That's not this kind of podcast. This is going to be surface level in that we are we are going to, what's the, what's the grad school term? We are just going to focus on what's on the page. Okay, we are going to just analyze the text as it is presented to us. And in that text, these people are mostly idiots. Speaking of idiots, we then meet Tom. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, we're, we're a new criticism <laughs> podcast. Precisely. The, the author is dead. All right. The next person we meet is Tom. He makes a big deal about how he's got beautiful hands or something like that. But the joke is he's a chef. So he works with his hands. He's from Jersey. There's some discussion about how he is going to make Italian food. What's your take on Tom? 
I mean, I guess what I noticed the most from this was how turned on these women seemed by just the idea of like a man making them dinner, which I kind of felt like showed us right about where the bar their current boyfriends was setting. They, they were like, oh my God, spaghetti. And like, I don't know, that doesn't get me that wet, but like, I'm glad it really works for them. Yeah, I'm very thankful that my wife's bar for food is very low because I'm not an exceptional, exceptional cook. I do want to go over some of the people that were up there that we did not actually get to meet um, because a couple of them have, I, I just said I do no research, but that does not extend to the website, which is incredible work. I, I hope that whoever's in charge of marketing for, for Temptation Island gets a raise. Can we meet Grace? She is, quote, tired of the endless swiping on dating apps and is finally ready to find love on Temptation Island. We meet Isabel. She recently got out of a toxic long-term relationship and is, quote, ready to meet a nice, genuine guy. We meet Evan. He is a Christian with good morals. I will admit I have not that read that much of the New Testament. I don't know the part of the New Testament that takes place on Temptation Island, but I would be, I'd be interested in reading that. We meet Jesse. I have to say I'm interested in Jesse. He's the son of an NFL athlete and a professional cheerleader, which is exciting because usually, as with people we've already met, we get the failed athletes themselves. This guy, I respect that he's not even trying and is simply grafting on his parents' tertiary fame. Okay, there's some dude. I really hope we meet him a lot. I didn't even click on his bio. His name is Rocky Buttery. What? That's an incredible name. We then meet somebody named Trent. I, I can only describe it by saying he's got like a guru photo. Like he's got like a not buttoned white see-through shirt. Trent prides himself on his ability to hold deep and meaningful conversations, which I have to say, I am very, very excited. Now, Gwen Kirby, as some of our listeners may know, you married a philosopher. So was that his move? I mean, Andrew really wooed me with um, experimental theater, which is kind of another, another way of going about it. But yeah, no, nothing gets a woman in the mood like experimental theater and deep conversations while, you know, they're also probably doing a strip tease for you as part of a competition on Temptation Island. So I think balancing the just being a fuckboy and a philosopher is going to be really fun to see. I mean, Andrew walks that line effortlessly. That honestly sounds like the title of a romance novel that you have read, The Fuckboy and the Philosopher. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Moving on, we do want to give some awards from this episode before we, before we wrap up. Um, we thought this opening podcast would either go about 10 minutes or two hours. So I'm happy to see that we're somewhere in the middle. We want to play Mary Fuck Kill for each each group of singles here. So starting with the men, Gwen Kirby, who would you marry? Who would you fuck and who would you kill? Oh, God. I even prepared this and now I'm looking at it and I'm being like, oh, my God, none of them. Please stop. Um, I don't know. I liked Lex. I'm going to say marry Lex. He kind of just seemed like a nice dude. Maybe fuck Shaquille. I think Shaquille get weird. Okay. Like the kind of dude who's okay saying on national television, and I quote, I got baby fever already, so I'm just gonna so I'm just kinda meet that right girl and fertilize her. I think shit probably gets weird in the sack with Shaquille, and I'm I'm pretty comfortable with I'm getting that. mixed signals from you about the sexiness of the pectoral dancing. I don't like the pectoral dancing, but I'm also like Maybe it just could be real weird. Like, who knows what other weird muscles on his body he can make jump around when he's naked. Like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, if, if I'm here for the experience, Dan. And kill? 
A lot of good candidates. A lot of good candidates. I think Tom is kind of a fuckboy, kind of an asshole, from, especially from the rest of the episode, so I'm going to kill Tom. Okay. What about you, Dan? So Mary, for me, was was not that difficult because I'm – I just like eating. I'm, I'm marrying the chef. Again, I may regret it. He doesn't seem very nice. <laughs> there are a lot of red flags about him as a human being, but I'm going to trust the cooking will win out. So I said I was going to fuck Lex. He seemed nice. He seemed sweet. I like the white tiger shirt. And then I'm going to kill the dentist. I just don't like dentists. If I have an opportunity to kill a dentist, I mean, again, this speaks to sort of problems with personal pathology, but it's not that difficult a decision for me. What about what about the ladies? Uh, let's see. I think I might marry uh, Katrina. Got a good genes there. Model, collegiate soccer player, crazy tall. She can make up for my shortness, so I like that. Who do I want to fuck? None of these girls are my type. I like them short and curvy. Eh, I don't know. Maybe Tula. I like her. I like her long leopard print dress. She's from Maryland. We can make out and talk about crab. And then I'm going to kill Alexis. I don't know anything about her. She's boring. Okay. I, I said I would marry Tula. She just, again, my threshold here is she seemed like she might be nice to me. She had a nice smile. <laughs> trying to decide who I was going to fuck. I, I'm, I'm going to kill... I'm going to kill Katrina because that way she can't kill me first with her legs. And I am going to, I'm going to fuck Amanda Spain's butts because I'm entertained that her last name is butts. Well, she's scientifically proven to be sexy. And listen, I am all about the science. I mean, me too. That's why I love, are you the one? I mean, that's, you know, science. It's just, it's, 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 Indisputable. That's a good Easter egg for our next podcast project about defunct Netflix dating shows. All right, so we met the singles. We then move on to a really deep conversation at the table where couples are talking about their, quote, rules for what they are going to do on the island. So, Gwen Kirby, what are the ideal rules for being on Temptation Island? Yeah, I have uh, this dinner in my notes is entitled The Last Supper, um, because they all seem to be taking it about that seriously. Well, Mark Wahlberg um, set it I up mean, like that. If you were in a... Mark Wahlberg sets this up as yeah. this may be the last time you ever see this person in a relationship. So, quote, dig deeper and say the things you've never said. And I think it would be really funny if, like, Thomas turned to Chelsea and was like, you know what, actually, I fucking hate your parents. Your mother is such a bitch. I never <laughs> told you before, but Mark, Mark Wahlberg has given me the strength to do it. There's another great line from Mark Wahlberg. You will find all the answers you need, but they won't be to the questions you asked. On this island, love picks you. Which, given that they're filming this in Hawaii, this could really easily pivot into being, like, lost. Like there's all these just like weird philosophical statements and you have no control and it ends up terrible. But about rules. But yeah, the rules. So this would be the part of the show where they could have like a mature adult conversation about what rules in an open relationship might look like. Um, so obviously none of them have opted to do that. I One of my favorite things was that Thomas asked Chelsea if it was okay to have someone sit on their bed. I don't, is that like an important stage of foreplay for him? Like the, the bed sitting? I feel like my, my, my parties where my bed's like in the main room were like a lot more erotic and sexy than I, than I realized. I think it's, I do think it's possible that these people are all just not broke grad students with one room and no furniture. 
but that would be that's a very different um, that's a very different reality TV show premise. What I was thinking in that moment is this is the moment I lost sympathy for Chelsea, like her moment where it's like you cannot have a woman again in Temptation Island sit on your bed. That is perhaps literally the most chaste thing you can actually do on this show. And she says that's too far. That seems like a problem for me. I mean, rules, again, is an interesting idea from like the structure of the show. And it was making me think about how difficult it is to cast for the show. Because you need two opposing things. You need couples that are indifferent to each other's feelings enough that they are willing to cheat on each other, but that care enough that they're going to break into tears about it. Right, so you cannot have people who are like, "Yeah, who gives a shit?" Let's, to quote you, "fuck our way through this island," because that there, there's no narrative stakes for that. Right, that's just softcore porn, <laughs> which again is not what we're doing here. This is just softcore porn. But at least with the, the facade of narrative structure, it's <laughs> it's softcore porn that is followed by crying is an important element, and we're meant yeah. to believe that the crying is we're meant to believe that the Painful. crying is earnest, and if they don't. If they are not willing to actually fuck around, then it gives you nothing, right? What we need is both that they're willing to fuck around and they're willing to find out. You can't have one without the other. And it creates these interesting situations where it's right, like, one couple is basically like the rules are obvious. Like, yeah, just don't fuck anybody else. One couple, um, Kendall and Erica, have, quote, no rules because they're there for the process and the journey. Like, by no rules, like, what do they mean? Well, we are going to find out. Again, it will be interesting ostensibly the lack of rules will be used as an excuse to fuck but then will the lack of rules be used by them to say well we said no rules therefore it doesn't bother me that they fucked somebody else it's a wonderful time to be alive really other takeaways from the last supper i i don't know i i enjoyed that we managed to spend five minutes having the couples talk about their ground rules and we didn't hear a single coherent ground rule so that was (laughs) That was enjoyable. No sitting on the bench. Couldn't make, no sitting on could the bench. not make that clearer. I've now learned. Do not do that. And, you know, and I loved that they separated from one another like they were being sent to war. So that was enormously enjoyable. I was thinking me. about that that magnetic field song. You know, I'm off to the war and you can be sure you'll know that, that you're who I'm fighting for as they went to their separate Hawaiian villas. <laughs> To drink tequila shots with random strangers. Yeah, it made me feel like I I want like more situations where like the stakes are this low. Like I feel like the world right now is so horrible. Like every time I go to get like a you know a coffee from a coffee shop, it's like is this how I is this how I die getting COVID at this coffee shop? Like I want to weep because I'm about to go get like lap dances for a month in like Maui. I would dress like a stripper if I got to spend a month in Maui. I mean, you would dress like a stripper if you got to spend an hour in Whole Foods right now. That's a fair point, but <laughs> but again, we'll say we'll 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 see we'll see exactly how desperate we all get. Well, there's some things that happen that we could talk about, but more or less, I, I think we've probably gone long enough, and we can we can jump back in when we start the next episode and we see these people begin to do things like go on dates, learn each other's name, have sex with each other. Though the sequence yeah. the sequence could go either way. But I'll, let's let's end with this question. What are what are you looking forward to this season? Well, I guess I just always really enjoy just the terrible decision making that happens, and then the like really convoluted explanations for why they've done something. 
Um, I also really love when they decide that like contestants aren't there for the right reasons, even though obviously the only reason they're there is to have sex and get Instagram followers. I am excited about this being the third season for this reason. The people on the Mm. first season, I'm genuinely sympathetic to. Like they really, there's no way that they could have had a complete frame of reference for what they were getting into. And even the second season, they watched the first season, but that gave them the false impression that they could avoid the mistakes made by the people in the first season. The people in the third season, to sign up for the third season, is a level of masochism that makes me feel okay about my level of sadism watching them fail. And so I'm just excited for them to fail and make mistakes in ways that we have not anticipated but yet feel inevitable. Sublime surprise is what I turn to Temptation Island for. And I feel like season three is going to be able to deliver. Yeah, amen. And frankly, at this point, I just like watching groups of people hang out. It's my, my bar for human interaction, you know, live vicariously through the people on Temptation Island. Live for us. Live for us, damn live it. Live for us. That is our plea to those people on that island six months ago who have already been filmed. Well, we want to thank you all for listening. Um, And frankly, there are probably so few of you we could do so individually. As we get going, though, we are really looking forward to interacting with the seven of you. So we'll let you know in the next episode where you can get in touch with us once we've set up things like social media so that we can answer listener questions rather than just begging our friends to ask us questions beyond what are you doing and why. So again, this has been Resting Batch Face, and thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all.